the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah. I'm Sarah Pion, your host. And today we have Christina Wong, Chief Chicken Wrangler at Baking with Chickens on the show. So Christina spent over a decade in the food and restaurant industry working with well-known chefs and restaurants in Los Angeles. She's a creator, baker, and creative consultant, and her work won a Clear Cannabis Award in 2020. She bakes infused culinary cannabis creations at Baking with Chickens and hosts a culinary cannabis cooking show called Baked with Chickens on YouTube. Christina, thank you so much for being on here today. I've, I've been a fan of your work for a while, so I'm just excited to be able to sit down and talk with you. Thank you so much for having me on, Sarah. I am so excited to chat with you. So, first question, what was your first cannabis experience like? <laughs> oh, boy. So, my first experience is a story that I think many people have, and it was not a good one. So, I was probably about 16 or 17 years old, and I was friends with a group of, I call them like the stoner kids from the rival high school, so uh-huh. I was like, after my high school, like I would go over to some, someone's house, and I would hang out with them, and they were more fun, because they didn't go to my school, they didn't know anything, um, but they all smoked a lot of weed, and I was always kind of hesitant about it, I was, um, you know, I was kind of, my parents were into it, I was a bit rebellious, but kind of shy. And one day I was at a party and I was like, and my friend said, here, take a huge bong. I was like, okay, why not? Like, I've been around them. I've seen them. I trust them. I gave my friends. I can totally do this. So I took a huge bong rip and that was a big mistake because I ended up sneaking like a fountain, like clear water for probably four or six hours. <sighs> and everyone always asked me, was it laced or something? Was it on? I actually asked my friend about this um, as adults, but not too long ago, in like the last five years. And we were talking about that night, and I told him what happened. And he was like, oh, he's like, you probably took way too much. I was dumb, and I loved to take big long rips, and so that's what I made everybody else do. And in hindsight, now that we know what we know, I was so sick. And it was so sad because the boy I had a crush on was at the party, and I was just puking my brains out, like, in the bathroom. I couldn't go home. My mom was, like, worrying where I was. They had to drive me home while I'm puking out the side. But so since then, um, I never really, I was always cannabis adjacent. A lot of my friends were always the weed smokers, especially in high school and college, but I just, I would hang out with them, but not partake. Um, and it really wasn't until much later in life that I discovered it. And it's been fantastic because now I know what, now I'm not a dumb 16 year old <laughs> taking too much and able to regulate the perfect amount so I can feel how I want to feel. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, it makes a huge difference to be able to do that and have the conversations around dosage because, you know, we just never talked about that. It was just, and, and I think that that is, you know, the ex- experiences like what you had, which was unfortunate. That's what adds to the stigma because we don't talk about, well, well why did that happen? And be, then there wasn't really room to have those conversations, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and who knows what you got because it was like someone got weed. Great, not gonna ask questions. That's it. You get what you get. It's like you know, if yeah. you if you are even like somewhat friendly with your person that you'd get it from, you might get a couple of options, but otherwise, it was whatever they had. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, if you had you know, options, would you know? For that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm great. I'm so grateful for that experience because. 
now, you know, when I talk to a lot of people, so a lot of people I talk to are new to cannabis or they're kind of curious or maybe they smoke a lot, but they don't do edibles. And I always hear stories of people saying like, oh no, like edibles, I had a bad experience once. I don't want to do that again, which I 100% understand because I was there and I know what that feels like. And I also had that experience kind of like as an adult too. I was so dumb. I ate with a quad dose and I was like, oh, I don't know what this means. Yeah. And I mean, I was, it was bad. It was very bad for a while, but now it helps inform what I do and my recipes and when I'm educating and talking to people about how to cook and bake and those edibles, okay, this is very important. Like, don't mess up the math. And, or if this does happen to you, here are some tips of how you can kind of ride out the high feel yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I think like one of the things that I always tell people when I teach my classes is, you know, if you're if you're using cannabis, there may come a time where you don't pay attention, you take more than you need, or your body chemistry might be different that day, so you react differently. Mm-hmm. But the important thing to know is one that you're safe. Two, forgive yourself. Three, you know, wait it out or or if you have a C- high CBD ratio, take some of that to downregulate it. And it does. It's like if you've ever experienced it, it gives you greater compassion for people who, are, who have gone through it. And, mm-hmm. and just being able to talk about it. It's so, it's so important to be able to have those conversations. I, I always call it the after-school special moment because I've, I've definitely done it. Like I once t- thought I was taking a high CBD gummy while I was talking to my mom on the phone. And then I realized that I'd actually taken... 50 milligrams of THC, which is a lot for me. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's like, okay, mom, um, I think I just roofied myself. So I'm just going to get off the phone right now and wait this out. <laughs> you know, what else are you going to do? But let's let's talk about more about um, what you're doing with food. And, and I'm really curious about the Cannabis Clio Awards, because I know that Clio's just, the Clio's just got into Cannabis Awards in recent years. So tell me something about that, too. Yeah, so my, my background, actually, so what I do now is um, I cook and bake with cannabis, and I really love to empower people to cook and bake at home and have it not be intimidating. So anywhere from intro beginner, I do very low dose. I typically start each of my portions at five or less. So even if you eat a couple or, you know, eat one, it's not going to, you know, it's a pretty much a low dose. And I actually started in the cannabis industry because I worked at Pop and Barkley, uh, the wellness company that has those really wonderful topicals that are very popular and the tinctures. So I learned everything. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to work in the industry and I ended up getting a job at Pop and Barkley, but I had no shit about shit. I knew absolutely nothing. And I was lucky enough to get a job there, and I really learned so much about cannabis when I was at Auburn Barkley. And one of the guys who worked there actually taught me how to cook a bake with it. And I had so many questions, so I'm pretty new to it. But what I discovered was a lot of the recipes and cooking with cannabis and with CBD is, you know, most people are kind of used to the pot brownie or you make some chocolates, you make some basic stuff. But as a baker, as a cook, as somebody who has worked in, like, the culinary industry for a long time, I wanted to see, like, there's such a more, more opportunities to elevate your food, right? It doesn't have to be just a program. It can be something really beautiful, like a custom-infused cake, a tart, a pie, um, you know, beautiful like, cookies that aren't just chocolate chips. So I like to kind of, what I'm doing now is I'm doing a mashup of culinary cannabis 
and recipe development. So I work with different brands. I write for MedMen's Ember Mag, and mm-hmm. I do recipes and content, and I write for them. I'm about to start working with Civilized. Um, but before that, and how I won a Clio Cannabis Award was actually through Papa and Barclay. So my professional background and my career previous to this was I worked in public relations, marketing, and communications. So I was head of comms at Papa and Barclay. And I worked with the CMO and created a campaign that was about telling the stories about people whose lives were changed by Papa and Barclay's products. So I did a video series called Lives Change, and it was like a docu-series, like short, little short videos, like three to four, like uh, two to four minutes, depending on like one person and their story. So there was um, a woman named Shirley, and she was uh, doing chemo and recovering from cancer, and she was very anti-CHA weed, all of that. And the pain got to be so much during chemo, and her daughter was a cannabis user and suggested, like, okay, I know you don't like this, but like, try this balm. And she tried the Papa and Barclay balm, and it changed her life. And now she tells everybody she knows about it. We did a video with um, a professional skateboarder who's vegan and doesn't like taking medication or pills, and he uses Papa and Barclay's topicals and balms to recover from his, like, whenever he falls and skateboards and um, you know, hurts himself, he uses the topicals to manage his pain and also, like, for his yoga practice as well. So that was the campaign that won the Cleo Cannabis Award that I worked on with um, my partner at Jason Chin. That's awesome. <clears throat> I really, I, we... I, I actually am a public education officer at Apothecarium, so we've carried Papa and Barkley for some time. Yeah. And I'm super excited because we're just about to pick up the hashes, which I've been a huge fan of. Oh, for Papa Select, it's so good. The ice water hash won, I think, first, second, and third place at the Emerald Cup. Not this year, but the year, I think, a couple years before. Well it's, deserved. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. And I also work with that. I've been working with Raw Garden as well, and their concentrates are, their concentrates and their vape cartridges are absolutely amazing quality as well. I mean, they're very different, but um, same high quality in different ways. Yeah, I've heard really good things about them. What are some of the um, concentrates that you like to work with the most when you bake? So I haven't actually learned how to bake with concentrates yet, and I really want to. I haven't figured out dosing. I had somebody ask me if I put um, base with hash yet, and I have not. But primarily for beginners, like learning how to dose, I always recommend to buying an infused oil from the dispensary or like using a picture. Like, so also because I have so much pop and bark to share, I would bake with that. And I recommend that if you're just starting because you can dose exactly the amount you want. And then um, for my personal baking and for a lot of my content that I do for um, my website, I like to infuse the flour because I like to pair different strains and their flavors and their aromas and their terpenes and how it feels with whatever I'm making. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I made, um, I made like a chocolate cupcake. It was a joke because it was based on a shirt and a cat that was like baking and it said, um, I baked you, I made you some chocolate cupcakes. And so it was an inside joke, and I was asking my um, fans on Instagram, what would a chef of a cupcake taste like? <laughs> I <laughs> saw a picture of that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I photographed it with my cat, who paid me back um, <laughs> for taking away her dignity during that photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, everyone's saying, like, okay, it should be chocolatey, it should be decadent, it should have something that's, like, chewy, that makes your mouth, like, glues your mouth shut so you can't talk anymore, and it should be punishing and be spicy. So I did a chocolate cupcake with a spicy bourbon caramel that was infused, and Ooh. then a brown butter bourbon frosting. Oh, and wow. So the whole thing was infused, and I chose the particular strain that I chose was an indica so that you know right, you eat it it glue your mouth shut but it'd be a little punishing it's not spicy from the caramel but then the indica kicks in and it kind of makes you just kind of chill and be quiet in the corner so it's really <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's beautiful but it's also you know choosing like i, I chose like a strain that would, i forget which one it was it's right now off my head but it was you know one of more like vanilla and caramely notes that mm-hmm. would pair well um, if I'm making, like, I did a pasta dish for the Elevate Jane um, Elevated Ink competition that was infused with, like, sour diesel lemon because it was, like, a lemon cheese ricotta dish with mint. And so, like, the lemon just brightens up the whole thing. So I like to choose strains because, to me, it's like cooking with another herb and right. flavor profile. And it absolutely makes a difference in what I'm baking. Like, I can tell when, like, I've made versions of things that are infused and not infused. And with the cannabis, it just adds a layer of complexity when you smell it on your nose and when you eat it. And it also helps cut some of the sweetness from the sugar, especially when you it, which I love. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I love the taste of cannabis. It's funny because... You know, a lot of times when people, when I used to work behind the bar and people would come in and they'd be like, I want something that isn't weedy. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you just haven't had the right combination. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I love the flavor of weed. I, I like, like, but I think it's not just right. It's just a flavor. But if you're pairing it nicely and cooking with it in like on a culinary level, it's just like cooking with spices. It's balancing. It's finding the right thing. And to me, this is what's fun about cooking and baking with cannabis. It's not just, okay, can't, will it get me high? Because then I would just add like a powder or a distillate, which can be fine, totally good. Again, like if you're experimenting or if you don't like the taste, that's okay. But it's really, like for me, like I love the experimentation and the flavor. So, right, not only do I get to influence how it tastes, I can influence how you feel. Yeah. Well, you were mentioning pasta earlier. Like one of the first things that caught my eye on your page was, excuse me. <clears throat> Ooh, I guess I haven't been talking enough this morning. <laughs> I thought I had um, your pasta that you had all of the flowers and that was gorgeous. And I, I cause like I was going to go to school for pastry and I love geeking out on baking and everything. That's my first love. But my weakness, the thing that I'm still learning how to manipulate is pasta. And that was just so cool. How did you, what made you decide to do that? Because I haven't seen anything like that in, in the infused realm before. Exactly. And, and that's what I like doing. It's like I see, you know, I mean, I've been following like bakers and cooking chefs and there's a lot of creative things don't see it in the infused world, which is what I'm trying to do more, where it's just really elevated, beautiful cuisine. I mean, there's plenty of cannabis chefs who are cooking like this, but they're mostly like professional chefs. Um, they're cooking for, you know, private events. Right. But for me, I'm not a, I'm not a trained chef. I mean, I know my food. I've been around food. I've done a lot of recipe development with chefs, but um, right, like, I'm not a classically trained chef, so to me, it's about the creativity. And when I came up with a pasta dish, 
I've seen people making like laminated flour pasta or herb pasta mm-hmm. just from you know, the cooking, Instagram, baking world. And because that was, I, I needed to impress with a entree savory dish for the Elevated Jane competition. So the Elevated Jane and Rachel Birkins from Sosa Saver host. I love Elevated Rachel. Yeah, she's absolutely bubbly and wonderful. And I love this competition they've come up with. But it's a cannabis cook-off competition among cannabis chefs. And when she invited me, I was like, you know, my, I mean, my imposter syndrome just went off the chart. I was like, who me? Who am I? I don't do this. But then I thought, I was like, you know, I'm like, I could do this. And then I saw my competition, and they're all professional chefs. You know, one of them is like, you know, works in a restaurant in Las Vegas. And they're all, all almost everybody was a professional chef except for me. And I was so nervous. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wipe the floor with all of them. Because I have a competitive tingliness that comes out in a really strong way. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I needed to come from really creative. And I love, and I think a couple other people did pasta too. Um, but I just, I love handmade popper deli. And to me, and because I have fresh eggs, so I'm baking with chickens because I keep uh, chickens in my backyard here in Los Angeles, and they lay so many eggs, I cannot eat them all. So I bake and I cook with them, and I try to find a creative way to use as many eggs as I can. And so one of my favorite things about beautiful, silky pasta is the fresh egg yolks that go inside. And because I have fresh eggs in my chickens, it's got like that really golden, beautiful, the flavor is unlike anything when people ask me, hey, what's the secret to your bakers? I thought it's the egg for my chicken. <laughs> like it just makes everything better. And pasta is a beautiful form factor to show that off. And so I got some cannabis leaves from somebody who grows and pressed them and laminated them into the pasta. And I also used a little bit of infused olive oil. I mean olive oil in pasta dough it tends to make it tough, but just a little bit um, add some and it's okay. And I just have a hand crank pasta roller from my grandma. She used to make like Chinese noodles with them, and I inherited it from her. So it was it was meditative. You know, I just got really stoned and just creative, and just I picked some edible flowers from my garden. I touched some of these cannabis leaves and just made the and I make it all by hand, like you know, with a fork, and I knead the dough with my hands until it's shaggy and it comes together. And like roll it one one sheet at a time, you know, through the many layers that have to go into that hot roller, and then you just kind of like boil it, flash boil for a minute or two in boiling water, toss it in some infused pesto. Oh, and I did a cannabis leaf pesto, so I did mostly cannabis leaves and basil leaves, and tossed it all together with like mint and peas and ricotta and lemon zest. It's uh-huh. just like it's Ooh. one of my favorite dishes. That sounds wonderful. I've <clears throat> I've done like um. I've cheated with pasta, like cheated with ravioli, where I just get the egg roll wrappers or wonton wrappers, mm-hmm. and I'll put something in there, and I've done, like, goat cheese, and then put, like, you know, edible flowers in there, and then when you cook it, they oh, yeah. show through, but what you did oh, was yeah. just so cool. Um, and, you know, it's surprisingly easy. It's, you know, it looks so beautiful, but if you, anyone who makes pot, I mean, if you have a pasta, Roller on your KitchenAid attachment, or you know, you can roll, hand roll it with a rolling pin. It's a little more effort, but um, it wasn't too. And you can do. And all of my recipes, you know, I like to make it very approachable, so that 
if you want to make them with cannabis, you can. And if you have infused oils, if you don't and you prefer not to, you can absolutely make the same recipe with basil leaves or sage leaves yeah. uh, instead of cannabis. And, you know, to me, when I write these recipes and to my audience, I like to keep them like, it doesn't matter. You decide. And if you're curious and you want to know more, you can ask me. It's you. So it really appeals to people who are and for those who are just starting it. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to something that you mentioned when you were, you were anticipating doing the competition, imposter syndrome. It's huge. Mm. And I think for women, we mm-hmm. deal with that a lot, especially when we're like kind of getting into our groove and we start to watch what other people are doing and we're like, holy shit, am I supposed to be here? But you are. And that's the thing. Like, I just, you know, because I know like for myself, like through my career and I've been in cannabis now for almost 10 years, which people are like, that's a really long time. And I'm like, I guess for cannabis it is. (laughs) There were still people there before me. But, you know, I think as women, we kind of like step back and we're like, is this our place? Is this or do we have enough, Mm -hmm. you know, experience to actually have a say and have a voice? Whereas and, and, you know, not to be I, I. I totally love men, so it's not like a knock on the dudes, but it's like I, sometimes I feel like guys can like really just step up and be like, I don't care. I'm going to make this happen. This is, this, is, this is what's going down, people. And I just like, I almost feel like we need to have like a greater discussion about how in some ways, you know, as women, we tend to like look for permission within ourselves to be like, have I done something that qualifies me for this? Whereas really like part of the creative process is just digging in and being messy and, and coming up with your own thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think when I, I actually posted that on my Instagram that like I was invited to participate in the Stand of the Chef football competition and like all my, my every, I know, and everything was tingling, I was freaking out, I was shaking, I was nervous, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to beat them? And I was very, and I try to talk about that because I know I'm not, like you mentioned I'm not the only one who feels this. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, I think people didn't know it would look like I'm like, oh, I got this, I can do this, and I crushed and I wiped the floor with everybody. But inside, that voice is very strong, and it's um, some. You know, we're not always nice to ourselves when we say things. And same thing, right? I was like, okay, like I've only been working in the cannabis industry, you know, since 2019. I'm new to this. I just learned how to bake and cook with cannabis. Like, what do I know? Like, who am, who am I to do all this? There's so many more people who've been doing this so much longer than I have who are better at it than I am. But I was like, okay, like, what I realize is I have a unique voice and yes. I have something to add. I do know what I'm talking about. And the more people I meet and the more questions I ask, like, I always just want to continue to be curious and just open to the opportunities. And, you know, the elevator, I mean, I wanted, I never wanted to win something so bad in my entire life. And my friends are like, what do you get for it? And I was like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just, <laughs> like, want to show that I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm saying, like, you are already doing You don't have to prove anything. And, you know, when I won the first appetizer round, I was so psyched. And then I won the Andre round, I was so psyched. And then I was going. And um, the cool thing about that meeting with Rachel and Angela from Elevate Chain Creative is they have a, they've created this beautiful community of people who love food and cannabis and in the space. So very, as a result of that, I made lots of new friends, lots of people in that 
space to align with what I'm interested in. And now I get to meet them. You know, I'm, um, I'm meeting people in Chicago this week while I'm here to smoke and check things out and bake and explore the local bakeries. Um, I've become, you know, friendly with the chef in Hawaii, Hawaiian optimist and so And I want to go to Honolulu and visit him and see what he's doing. Like what he's making is absolutely incredible. And I think that's, you know, like, yes, I feel imposter syndrome, but also like acknowledging it, hearing it, and then making sure that I am continuing to open myself up to opportunities. It's okay if I'm saying that to myself, but I can't let that drive my action. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because when you think about, like, I mean, I can't even tell you how much things have changed since I first started working cannabis. And one of the things I love as an educator is you know, we're always learning. Like when I go places and if somebody bills me as like cannabis expert, I'm like, no one's an expert. We're all learning. Like we're constantly learning and new things. things. Changing. Yeah. And we're constantly yeah, being disproved. Changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, like all, every time somebody comes in and they bring their unique lens and their experience from wherever they came from, it only further enriches what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And it's better for everyone. It yeah, is. And I've gotten, you know, you'd mentioned that, um, you know, before we started recording that you're friends with Ophelia, and I recently met Ophelia, and she's really into mushrooms right now. So, and that's something I've been curious about for many years. And so now, like, I'm actually starting to learn all about psilocybin and mushrooms and how to grow, how to cook with them. I mean, and I know that there's a psilocybin in the chef cookbook. And again, right, the same thing, my posture syndrome kind of flared up again. I'm like, well, I need people who know way more about mushrooms than I am. Like I have near, again, I know shit about shit and I have near experience in any of this, but I do have a strong curiosity. And I'm sure many people do. And so it's like, okay, I'm learning this. I can then share what I'm learning with everybody else in a way that feels approachable and every day. Because that was one of the things that was always a barrier for me coming into the industry. And even with magic mushrooms, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm hesitant a little bit, but um, it, it felt very intimidating. Like, I didn't know the lingo. I didn't know. I didn't know all of this stuff, and I was almost sometimes like ashamed to ask, or that I didn't know. And now I've just become much more upfront about what I know and don't know. Like you asked me earlier, what do I still concentrate on? I haven't yet. Yeah, I would love to learn. If somebody knows and would like to teach me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. I mean, it's we're we're constantly learning, and like, I mean, Ophelia Chong is. Well, she's a dear friend, but she's also one of my most favorite people in the world because she's 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 a teacher and she gets people excited about stuff. And when she digs into something, she commits, you know, because mm-hmm. maybe she, she didn't she didn't pop out of her mama's belly knowing about mushrooms. <laughs> she, yeah, she got super <laughs> excited about it. And, um, and, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I think too, like with, there's so many great people in the cannabis community. And when you find your people, it's like, they're very, I just find that there's some really kind, intelligent, creative people that are just so inspiring and you just never know what direction you're going to go in when you, when you meet up with them. Like, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to walk away from that conversation thinking that you want to dig into? And that's like one of the best things about the work, no matter what area you're working in in cannabis is just like 
the excitement that people have around it and, and just the fact that we're still innovating. I mean, legalization or no, yeah, it may have like in some ways put a damper on things, but it's also created a hotbed of of creativity because more people feel permission to be able to delve into this work. Absolutely. And, you know, and I also, when I talk to people about things, you know, like friends or girlfriends, and, you know, what I hear a lot is people will say, oh, I'm a lightweight. And I was like, and that's one of my pet peeves. And I always, I mean, I always tell them, I said, you know, like, this is, this isn't my drinking. I mean, some people feel this way, but I, I do not. And I don't smart. And I say, you know, like, this isn't about your tolerance level or your light. Like, please don't ever feel bad that you have a lower tolerance. Just, I don't want you to get fucked up. I want you to have just enough so that you feel good. Yeah. And that's what this is about. And that's what the magic of cannabis is. Is that right? Like, so from the you asked me my story, right? I don't want to get so messed up and I keep pushing hours and not able to enjoy myself with the cute boy at the party that I have a crush on. Um, I want to just feel good and knowing that dose. I'm like, and if that means, you know, my best friend literally takes a nibble, like barely one milligram, and she's like, it feels like a warm hug on the inside, and I don't want anyone. Like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I don't it- want you to feel bad, but that's what you need. Right, right. That's it is. We really have to flip the script on that conversation because we are we are walking chemistry experiments. We're all so different. And I always tell people, don't be ashamed of having a low tolerance. Do you understand how much money you save? <laughs> That's what I said. I've been so my tolerance. So before I was pretty good at a five milligram dose, and now um, so during all, the whole last year. I have been pretty much high every day. It's been fantastic. But I also joined this group called Weed Wednesdays. Uh-huh. And it was a group of strangers I just randomly met on the internet. And they do like a weekly video chat. And like they're a bunch of friends and they all know each other. And they live in Santa Rosa. And I somehow became connected. They invited me to join. I went. And they've all become great friends. And so now we smoke every week. We hang out. We try different things. We, I, learn things like I went up to meet them in person because we did a field trip to the Emerald City Cannabis Museum up in Willet. Oh cool. Um, so it's really fun. Yeah, but and so now my tolerance is I, I've officially now bumped up to the ten milligram and I'm like, oh, I'm seeing it. I spend so much more money. <laughs> and before you know, fortunately I work in the industry and I do you know, I go to a lot of events and I get a lot of cool things to try, but um, <laughs> now I need to spend more to feel good. I hear that. I hear that. But you know, going back to like what you were talking about when you're making your creations, like the fact that you're doing them low dosage so that pe- people can enjoy them is awesome because there's nothing. Well, I guess there are things that are worse, but I'm going to be dramatic. There's nothing worse than having something that's really tasty that you want more of, but you're afraid that you'll get too yeah. high if you have any more. Yes, a hundred percent. Like when I have an edible thing, and it's like you can have a quarter of it. I'm like, yeah, that's that's just punishing. Like I can't eat a quarter of a cookie. Like that's not okay. I need the whole cookie. So I would rather do a two point five milligram cookie, so you can at least eat two of them if you want, or give a mix. You know, like or I'll I, I'll always recommend like make an infused batch and then make a non infused batch so that you can eat more of them without worrying about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's when, you know, people used to come in the store and they're like, you know, I really like chocolate. I'm going to want more than this little piece. I'm like, get a bar or two of your favorite. Have it alongside it. Because it is like, I remember my first time baking with cannabis. I think I was, well, I was 24. 
so it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> and I made a, I made a chocolate pound cake, and you know, at that time I didn't know anything about edibles because I had just been a smoker. So I had a slice, and I was like, "Oh, this is really tasty. I'll have another." Mm-hmm. And then it was like, "Ooh, after school special moment." And uh, you know, <laughs> you when you're in your twenties and like stuff is going awry you try to be as cool as possible about it without telling anyone what's going on you end up looking like a weirdo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just standing in the corner <laughs> yeah I, I am a friend picked me up for a date and I didn't tell him what happened and so I just sat there across the table from him at the restaurant probably with like huge owl eyes just like uh <laughs> and needless to say he never took me out again <laughs> but you know, it's okay. it wasn't meant to be. no, and you know, you're in your 20s, and it's like you look back on it, and you're like, just say what's going on. Like, you know, as every decade yeah. passes, you get a little bit more relaxed about, yeah, this is what's happening, it is what it is, you know, deal or or yeah. don't. <laughs> but just how self conscious we are when we're younger, but it is, it's like, you know, to have had like some chocolate pound cake on the side that didn't have that in there would have made everything much better that would have been good totally cute yeah or you know prep, prep some stuff ahead of time um yeah and like i just i write recipes and i, I write them that you can use them or not use them you can change the dosing like i always recommend like i write out what i recommend would be five milligrams per dose should be and that's a starting point like mm-hmm. you can mix and match from there if you want more than add more, more potent can of butter or oil if you want less than or none then just use normal it's all good well and you have your you have your channel on youtube where you're doing a lot of your demonstrations of your recipes are you are you thinking about doing a cookbook or did i just miss it and you have no so yeah so i do a youtube show um and so i'm kind of, we're kind of going through some shifts and changes internally here so we like we kind of put the show on pause at the moment but originally, I was just doing regular baking shows. And then once I started talking more about cooking with cannabis and baking with it, like people got real, I, I noticed people were asking a lot more questions. And so we decided to really shift our focus from just baking into baking and cooking with cannabis. So we have a few episodes. We're doing some live episodes. Um, they're pretty long, but like little, like I try to chapter it out so that you can kind of pull what you need. You know, I'll explain Canamass. I have segments that will explain a strain du jour, so whatever particular strain I'm using in that recipe of the episode, um, you can learn all about it. I have little tips on funny things. So my partner and I were making those episodes, but I think I'm going, we're, we're kind of rejiggering a bit, but um, it's so the YouTube channel is baking with chickens, and the culinary, the cannabis version of it is baked with chickens, but it's all on the same account. That's good to know. And I do not have a and I do not have a cookbook. Um, and that is something that people have asked me. I'll, I'll a lot of people say, like, when will you open a bakery? Like, Never. Um, <laughs> so you sell your stuff. I think, no, I do not. <laughs> that is not allowed, one. Um, but you can have my recipe for free. Um, and then, or like, or I'll do like, I'll do like special things for my friends. But like, that's kind of it. I don't, like, if they want something special for their birthday. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, a cookbook would be really fun, actually. Um, let's just cook. You know what? Let's put it that energy out into the universe, and let's hope that it comes back. Because I think that'd be really fun. It's, there's plenty of other cannabis infused cookbooks. I love Edibles by Stephanie Hua and Colleen Carroll. Um, of course, Bong Appetit. Yeah, I love Stephanie. And, uh, She's Spice. wonderful. 
Oh, she's yeah, she's one of like the first people I can I you know kind of connected with on Instagram in the industry. I've even trying to meet up with the person. But I love her infused marshmallows, the mellows. Yeah, they're just. But you know, her and I have a list of like these companies that are just making incredible things. Like Mellows is one of them. Rose Delight with their Turkish Delight and like chef collaborations. Like, and to me, like that's what culinary cannabis is: is using these chef farmers market quality type ingredients and that philosophy of cooking and applying that to cannabis as well. And that was my background. You know, I worked for. Um, the restaurant company Tendergreens for many years. I was in-house with them for five years. They were a long-time client. And so my experience has always been with chef driven restaurants and brands and farm to fork, um, you know, knowing the farmers who grow our food, understanding where it comes from, the difference between sustainable and regenerative farming and how it affects your food. So all of those skills and that information really transferred over very well to cannabis because now when I talk to a lot of cultivators and brands um, who are growing, I'm like, oh, I can see. And they're using a different lingo. And at first, I remember when I was at Poplar Barkley and I was meeting a lot of their growers, and I'd listen to them talk, and I was like, okay, this is a whole different language that I don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. But I can translate this because as a consumer and as somebody who's working food, that people understand those terms already. We've already heard them, but it's just how mm-hmm. they the cannabis. So it's just... Um, taking that and merging it together. So now what I get to do is I get to take all of those things that I love most, um, delicious food. So I, I like to describe myself as a foodie weedy. Um, so I did like a, I created a foodie weedy guide to Santa Rosa on my Instagram. Um, I actually just wrote a 36 hour stone in Santa Rosa for Medmen's Ember. Um, so it's a little <laughs> bit like that New York Times column that meets a little fear and loathing except I'm just completely stoned running around Santa Rosa eating good food and um, getting all the weed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and people want to. People want to see that. They want. They want to. They want to experience that. And and I think being in California, we're really lucky because we have so much freedom around that. Whereas, like, like I'm, you know. Of course, I'm going to Oklahoma this weekend to lecture, and they're like us 12 years ago. It's, I don't, I don't know. There, it's, it's like, it's a whole different world where there's just a lot more freedoms, like the 215 days. And I'm really interested to see. I love, I love watching states and seeing how they evolve. And Oklahoma, by far, has been the most let it all hang out as far as cannabis policy. And I'm like. I can't wait to go there this weekend and really check it out and see what it's all about. Because a friend of mine was in California and he was like, it's like 12 years ago. It's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's not as regulated as we are here. And it gives so much more creative freedom, which I think has its pros and its cons because it means innovation and product. There aren't as many restrictions, but what I want to know is like what's going on with testing and stuff like that, and that's what I'm hoping to learn more about when I go see them this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, you know, I'm in Chicago right now, just visiting, and you know, with the dispensary, I'm checking some different things out. I'm looking at products, you know, and I'm asking all these California-centric questions. I was like, do you have outdoor sun-grown versus it's just like the blood tender was so sweet. Um, her name is Eileen. And she was like, oh, no, everything's indoor grown, which is Chicago. I was like, okay, that's curious. Um, you know, and I'm from, from Papa Barkley and Papa Celeste, and there's solvent list, and I'm looking, I'm asking for like solvent list and live resins and 
they haven't quite gotten there yet. And the labeling is a bit, you know, I'm trying to look for the same things that are on labels that aren't quite there. But um, I, know, I think it's the fun part. You get to see how all the different states are approaching it. Yeah. Hopefully with federal legalization, we're just going to be tender. And that's going to be better for everyone. Yeah. And all the consumers. Yeah. Do you think that they knew you were a Californian with your questions? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, so she knew immediately. Well, she looked at my ID, and then um, we were, she knew immediately. But I was very excited because I picked up some, um, I got some ozone joints to try. I picked up a strain, I got a vape cartridge of Jenny Kush. Oh, I was most excited about Mindy's, um, the Mindy's edibles. Uh-huh. Because she is a James Beard winning pastry chef, and she has a line of, I think she's out of Colorado, um, she has a line of, like just different, like just chocolates and gummies and all these different things. But like her cookies and pastries here in Chicago are like everybody loves them. So I was very excited to try her edibles um, to see how they compare to my favorite in California. That's cool. That's one thing that I've been fascinated about are the multi-state operators as far as like products and you know because there's because we can't do you know interstate commerce. They're having to source out of the individual states, and I'm wondering, like, like for Kivags, for example, is in many states, and mm-hmm. how I'm wondering, like, the consistency of products from state to state, same brand, different providers. What are they like? Yeah. And, and that's that's one of the things that I've been really curious about too, because we're, you know, we've got it down here in California, but another thing that I I wonder about too, and this was like. I, I've done a lot of work with policy, especially like um, when we were looking at, you know, passing legalization. I was one of the chairs of the legalization task force for San Francisco. So one of the things we were talking about was, you know, why are we reinventing the wheel every time we put together cannabis policy? Why aren't states looking at, you know, the pros and cons of what other states are doing? And I'm still still wondering about that. I mean, I know part of the answer is that state culture is really strong and so is stigma, but I'm hoping that in the future we start to do more information sharing and learn from one another instead of being like, I'm going to come up with the program that's going to be better than everybody else's. Wouldn't that be nice if we could all talk to each other and come up with the best scenarios instead of trying to one-up each other? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when we're looking at going at a national level and it's like, I mean, I get that there will always be certain styles in certain states. That's that's just how it is. State culture is really rich and strong. But when we're looking at policy and especially like when we're looking at the federal side of policy, I really wish and hope, but I'm not hopeful that they'll look at what the states have been doing instead of looking at it as just a potential influx of cash because I feel like that's the big mistake that we're making and and that just I mean and as we know as Californians you know our traditional market is flourishing and people are like well why why are people not going to dispensaries and still going to their person and it's like well look what we did really expensive yeah yeah what are what are you hoping what what are you no actually what are your plans for baking with chickens this year and what are you seeing in the future what are you excited about yeah, so my parents are baking chickens. I'm in the process of updating. So just pivot into just fully committing into culinary cannabis is in full swing. So baking with chickens started as just purely baking. 
And the funny thing is I'm actually, baking is a big stretch for me. I Baking is very hard. I am not scientific. I'm not precise. And sometimes things go really well because I discover something new or they go horribly wrong because baking is a precise scientific um, endeavor. So um, I since I started doing all this culinary cannabis stuff and I, I really like it, I find it's my passion. So I'm switching my website over and making some updates to be more culinary cannabis forward. So creating some content that is more educational. I have a roundup of my favorite, you know, culinary cannabis edibles on the market. I get that question a lot. There's a lot of people who will ask me, hey, I'm new to edibles. What what do I buy? Because it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. So, and a lot of my friends are also fellow foodies because, you know, we, that's just good people I end up being friends with because we like to eat and have similar interests. So I love recommending, you know, my favorite high-quality, high like, beans bar chocolate or, like, like the birthday, like, using seasonal ingredients, chef-driven things, and, um, making sure that the ingredients are high-quality. Like, I love the Sunday school um, mochi gummy. Oh, gummy. yeah, are, Sunday school. Uh, they're awesome. They're, I, I, I love their pre-rolls, yeah, too. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, but things like that, right, I'm trying to, like, Curate the culinary cannabis world, do more recipe development, and, you know, I'm, we're kind of like rethinking what the show will be just because, you know, doing an entire TV production show is really intense. I'm trying to find a way to work smarter, not harder, because apparently the Instagram algorithm wants to hate me and they want to do, they're focusing on video now more than photos. So um, shifting our content that way. And also working with brands. Um, I do, I, I still freelance for like PR, marketing comms with different brands, which I enjoy doing. But I'm also finding that I'm writing a lot more. Like I've become more of a contributing writer and it's something that I never expected that I would do because I've always been on the public relations side. But writing for MedMen and now I'm um, working with Civilize is something I really enjoy. So doing the recipes and their food content there, writing that travel story was really fun. I'd love to do more things like that. Um, and hopefully just working more in the space and yeah. meeting people. I don't know. I'm, I'm really open. I always try to think, you know, I'm like, okay, here's my plan. Here's what I want to do. But also, like, sometimes the universe just puts things in your path that you didn't even know to ask for. Yeah. And I'm just going to go with it and be open to opportunities and see what happens. It's funny. Like whether that be a cookbook yeah. or <laughs> a show. I don't know. I'm just going to put that energy in the universe. If somebody wants a cannabis education show on any channel, <laughs> we know where to call. You'd be awesome with that, too. You're just, I mean, just the energy that you put forth in your videos is is just so wonderful. And, like, it's funny that you said work smarter, not harder, because Right before we we met today, I was just in the midst, I haven't put it out yet, I was in the midst of putting together my Instagram post and it was talking about my striving to work smarter, not harder, because there's no glamour in the grind. It's like, you know. You know, when you work in the cannabis industry, like, I get this, like, I take this moment and I get to sit back and I look at what I'm doing right now. I have to pinch myself. I'm like, I get wake up every day and think about what I want to cook and bake with cannabis, yeah. write about it, with photos and videos, and share that knowledge to help others feel good and empowered to try it on their own. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, this is what I get to do. And 
there's no better feeling. And I, if I could not have predicted this for myself, like I just knew I wanted to work in the industry, but I never thought to ask that I wanted to work for myself as a salt or do this. And this is such a much more interesting, fun path that I would have never planned for myself. But because I am more, I have opened my mind to any possibilities yeah. that I feel that this is possible. And I think a lot of this too, like I have to think, um, I was a guest on, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike and Mary Jane's podcast, Weed and Grub. Oh no, I don't know that yeah. one. I'll have to check oh, it out. Fantastic listen. It's all about like weed, good food, and just like good vibes. And like they invited me to be a guest on their podcast when one of my pies won the KCRW Pie Contest uh-huh. here in Los Angeles. KCRW is like a local NPR station and we do a pie contest every year. And last year was the first year I actually had time to sit down and make a pie for it. And I won. And so I ended up going on the podcast, becoming friends with them. And as a result of that, I, I always thank them because I say, I don't know what bippity boppity boo brought them into my life, like the weed fairy godparents that they are. But, you know, since I was on that podcast and meeting more people who are interested in cannabis, it really kickstarted me in this direction. And that was just one thing led to another. Mm-hmm. It is funny how it is. I mean... I, you know, I think for a lot of us, I I always tell people like, you know, if you told me 11 years ago, I'd be doing this, I'd tell you you were nuts because I worked in nonprofit (laughs) and civil rights. And it wasn't until I got sick that, and I was done with it, that I started reevaluating things. And I was like, you know, working in the office is probably one of the reasons I got sick, the stress, like managing people is not always the healthiest thing. But, you know, it's now we're going to be looking at, you know, people and especially like young people in college, like purposefully choosing cannabis as their career. And and I just I think it's wonderful. It's like um, I was talking to somebody recently about I I was uh, working with the university because I was well, I was teaching at City College and I was talking to some of the professors there and I was like, I don't think you get it. Like. For the first time, probably, you're going to get a lot more people who are passionate about supply chain management. I mean, who would have thought it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's an exciting thing. But, like, what you're doing is, like, is is furthering the conversation. And I always say conversation is normalization because the more we talk about things, the more the stigma starts to dissipate and people really look at the possibilities. And also with, through normalization, you know, hey, cannabis isn't for everybody. Not everybody tolerates it. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can just be a fact. So one of the things I also want to work on this year is um, I was talking to Rachel Perkins of Smoke Sip Saver, and she's very involved in cross to kitchen community, which is all about advocating for chefs, like can of chefs and like just culinary cannabis, because in the policy world, it really is gray area, right? Like there's edibles, there's packaged goods, and then there's chefs and there's creatives and developers like me who are doing this while like, I don't want to sell products. I, I'm going to put this in the universe too. I would also love to work with the brand to develop products that go to market. Like, I don't want to make and sell my own, but like happy to work with brands to come up with creative ideas. Because I get this a lot from friends, too. They're asking about, okay, like, you know, we've had gummies and we've had chocolates. What are some other interesting form factors for edibles that are new and exciting? Because, quite honestly, the cookies that I see, the packaged cookies that I see on the market are absolutely horrible and they should not be cookies. So, yeah. um, there, we can make better cookies and better pop brownies. 
pot brownies are not the end-all be-all of edibles. There's so many delicious things that you Oh, totally. Well, I remember back in the 215 days, Kareen Carroll had this amazing line of macaroons. I wish we could bring stuff like that back. Is another one who makes beautiful stuff. There's a chef in Portland, Maine, uh, Tara Canaday. Mm-hmm. Her stuff is absolutely mind-blowing. She's making beautiful bonbons that are just like, they look like little jewels. Like she's such a talented pastry chef, and she has, a, I don't know if she's got an edible company or a restaurant, or whatever what she does, but I have to follow her on Instagram. Incredible. Like, I just am so inspired by the things that people are making, like that Chef Topher in Honolulu has a, his baked, his baked good line is Rabbit Alchemy. Uh-huh. And some of the stuff that he makes is incredible. He's doing mushroom chocolate right now, I saw he's selling. Oh, wow. Um, and there's a couple other things. I'm really excited so cool. to see how it evolves. And, and you know, too, just like going, going back to when you're talking about like, you know, psilocybin also becoming, you know, especially we're looking at it from, you know, a policy perspective and it's, it's starting to take off. <clears throat> Excuse me. My coffee went down the wrong pipe earlier and I'm still recovering. Ah, but, um, just like some of the things that we can do with psilocybin as well in, in recipes is really interesting too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just fascinated because by all a lot of it. Of it too, people don't- like, I mean, and there's kind of back and forth about psilocybin, which is what I'm starting to learn more about. You know, some purists, they don't cook with it because the heat could degrade it. Some people are like, no, it's fine with certain times. So I, I'd love to learn more and experiment with that. Yes, okay, like what truly will affect it or doesn't. Um, you know, I, I came across some um, psilocybin mushrooms and I ground them into powder and I'm microdosing with them. I really like how I feel. It's been a fun experiment and I didn't want to just make a mushroom tea or just put them in a chocolate. You know, chocolate's easy, but eh. I'm like, again, this could be so much more interesting. So I whipped them into um, whipped goat cheese and injected them into a little gougere, a mm-hmm. little gruyere cheese puff. And it was so good. There's like a gougere filled with whipped goat cheese and some of the psilocybin mushrooms. Wow. So good. Yeah. Is that something, right? Like if you want to have like, a mushroom dinner experience. Like it's like a microdose and you kind of drive an experience if that's an appetizer you might have. You start with that and then you kind of keep moving along and the experience these different strains of mushrooms, you different feelings, so you can curate it that way, just like cannabis, which is why I find it so much fun. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I like you, I'd be interested to hear about like how how temperature impacts it, because like as we know with cannabis you know, the terpenes are so volatile, so you don't want to do really high temperature work okay. with them, you know. And I'm wondering, like, what that would be like with the mushrooms. But, like, you and I were talking about earlier about just, like, even infused honey. And that was when I mentioned to you, I was like, yeah, you know, psychedelic baklava. But I'm like, how would that fare in the oven? I wonder. You could totally do it. You don't psychedelic th- baklava sounds amazing. Just have I think, like a- well, I'd have to check and see what the temperature is. Because when I bake, like when I bake cannabis infused, I typically will drop the temperature to 340 and add a little bit more time to bake. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on what you're making, right? Some things need a higher temp. I don't know what temp baklava is at. I mean, of course, you know, the lower temp and the least amount of time, the better. But um, well, you could just drizzle it with the honey afterwards because the honey doesn't need to get baked into everything 
layer, you could make the baklava and the drizzle some honey like at the very end, so you have a less less of a baked bun. That would probably be good, and then you could. I would imagine that it'd be easier to control dosage too. And that's, that's also one thing that like when I'm a lot of times when people will ask about, you know, cooking with cannabis and they're nervous about dosage, a lot of times I'll actually um, direct them towards a product that's already made that they can easily dose out. Like you're mentioning, you know, the tinctures, but you know, I've had people who have been like, Oh, we're going camping and we want to make something. It's like grab a Kiva bar, make s'mores. Use it yes, as a frosting exactly. on top of your brownies, you know. Con- yeah, I, I'll do that. I'll take some, like, Kiva or, like, Papa Bark is a chocolate bar that I use and, like, melt that to make ganache. And then it's easy because I can dose, okay, it's each little square is five milligrams to break off exactly what you want and substitute it in the recipe and you know your exact dosing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, um, have you worked with any of the Potley items at all? I have. I have their chili oil. But that one I don't just, like, add because I haven't baked with it. Although now I'm getting a lot of great ideas. I'm like, ooh, I can use chili oil in my baked dessert. <laughs> ooh, I mean, especially chili chili and chocolate. Oh, that's a good one. Well, have you tried that? They have, um, that Potley is currently doing in shrimp chips. I like, heard they're amazing. <laughs> I, s- I just love what people are coming up with. It's so creative. It is. It is. And I'm I'm really glad that they came up with like a ready to eat edible because I feel like it'll get people more curious about their sriracha, the chili oil, the honey, the olive oil. Like when you have something that they've already had made, then it inspires you to do something on your own at home. Because it's like in the past, I used to get a lot of people asking about infused olive oils, infused butters, and now people are kind of more into ready, ready to make. But whereas before, the stuff that we had available wasn't as great to use. I mean, you're talking about like neon green butter, and and now like with Polly, yeah. they've come across. They have such refined, beautiful products. I wish more people would take advantage of that and. And understand like how creative they can be with it, and feel free to use things like that. That's, and I feel like their shrimp chips are a great foray into their beautiful line. Yeah, absolutely, and I totally agree hundred percent because you know before we didn't have all of these, so you're kind of making stuff at home. And as somebody who fairly recently learned how to infuse flour, it can be very confusing and really intimidating because. When I was first learning, like, I didn't want to mess up. Like, I didn't want to, like, accidentally make it too potent and, like, mess myself up or yeah. somebody else. And I didn't understand Canamass. It hurt my head a lot. Now I can do it pretty quickly because I've done it a few times. But, like, at the time, I was like, I don't understand. My head hurts because we're trying to learn new things. And learning new things can sometimes be hard, especially as an adult. And, um, you know, learning about cannabis and how to infuse it sometimes feels like if you're reading about organic chemistry all over again, and again, people are using jargon or words that I might not understand, like, right? You have to activate it. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Whereas it just means you just heat it to a certain temperature. Um, so, I, you know, I wrote a, a, a beginner's guide to cooking and baking with cannabis for MedMen on their site, and it's literally step by step exactly how you would do it. And then all of the different options. So that was something that was confusing to me, too, because when I was Googling it and trying to learn, right, some people do decarb in a mason jar in the oven or just on a tray. And then there's a sous vide method and then a slow cooker. 
and then you can use all the machines. And I, because I didn't know, it just felt so overwhelming that I didn't want to do it. Right. But if you know, I'm like, okay, these are all different ways you can do it, depending on the equipment you have, pick one and then go ahead. Then it makes more sense. So I tried to organize it that way. But now, yeah, like, grab a chocolate bar, grab a, you know, mellow. You want to make s'mores? Grab one of those mellows and make yourself something. Like, the infused olive oils are fantastic. Um, but there's so many choices. Just like cooking, right? Like, we don't always buy ingredients to make everything from scratch. Sometimes it's, you know, partially homemade and pre- pre-made, and that's totally fine, too. To me, it's all about whatever fits into your life in the way that makes the most sense. Right. It doesn't have to be hard. And for our listeners, because I'm sure there's going to be some people who are listening to us today who are interested in doing baking on their own, and if it's too involved, you tell me, because I'm totally putting you on the spot. (laughs) But could you do, like, an abbreviated description of what the can of math is around baking? Yes. Okay, so quick can of math. I'm going to try not to bore you, and please don't turn, flip away. Um, but it, because can of math is important. You want to know exactly how much THC is in each serving. So I'm going to work backwards instead of forward. So if you're new to cooking vegan cannabis, the basic thing you want to know is how many servings is in what you're making. So like if I'm making a pasta, right, if I'm making just enough, Generally, that's about two servings, maybe four, depending on your size. If you're making baked goods, right, one recipe could make 24 cookies. So I have to start with, what's my dose? So if I'm making cookies, I need five milligrams per dose, and let's say my recipe makes 12 for easy math. That means I need 60 milligrams total, right? 12 individual cookies times five milligrams THC, that's 60 total milligrams. I need in the entire batter. So if I'm a beginner and I'm maybe using a tincture, um, that's, again, to me, that's the easiest way to um, precisely dose because you can measure it out exactly. So I'll take either infused oil that already exists, the coconut oil or a tincture, and just measure out exactly those 60 milligrams into my batter and substitute it with whatever oil. So if I'm making cookies, like butter, vegetable oil, coconut oil. Um, if I'm adding in a tablespoon of infused oil, I have to take out a tablespoon of normal. Um, and then that's how I would know that each cookie is exactly five milligrams. Now, if you're going the other way and you're infusing your flour first, um, it's similar, right? You have to know how much, okay, so like how many grams of flour are you using? What's the percent? THC in that particular flour, and for, you know, legal dispensary weed, you can usually look on the back batch label, and it'll tell you the percentage, like, most, and if you don't know, like, I think 20% is a good place to start, maybe 22, 24, although some strains are now getting up in the 30% THC, so then you'd have to calculate, okay, what is the potential THC that is in your flour that you're going to use in the oil, account for potentially an activation loss because you're not going to convert everything. So depending on how I'm doing it, like I usually estimate a 70% efficiency and then I will do the math that way and then divide it out properly amongst my recipes. 
So that's the quick and dirty can of mask. And I hope I haven't put anybody to sleep. No, no, that was, I think that that's really, really important for people to know. And I'm pretty sure there were more than a few people that were writing that down. And then finally, before I bug you about your social media and everything, I want to know about your chickens. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I ended up buying this house in Los Angeles in the Highland Park area and huge backyard area. And I bought the chickens forever because, again, I worked in restaurants from before and chefs and um, the idea, this romantic, idealized idea of having these chickens in my backyard that I go collect their fresh eggs was just too enticing. So we got some chickens and I started off with two. It's now grown into eight chickens. How many? So I have seven, eight. Eight? I, I, yes. And I tend to rescue all of my animals. So these are all kind of like rescue hens from different places. So I have seven hens now and only three of them are laying regularly because, um, like women and their periods, they only they lay during a certain period of their life, and the older they get, the less eggs they lay. So I have three old ladies who two of them don't lay at all anymore, and one of them lays intermittently. So she'll give me an egg every couple weeks or so, depending on the season. And then over Christmas, I adopted a rooster because at first I was like, I'll never have a rooster. I can't do it, and I. As I kind of got deep into the chickens of Instagram world, which is a thing and is a very ridiculous, hilarious place that I love, <laughs> um, I was inspired to get a rooster because so many people buy chickens, like baby chicks, and then it's a 50-50 chance that they're a male or a female, and then all the roosters get discarded into the shelter system and they have nowhere to go. So I figured I have the space that I could keep a rooster, and I became more the idea. So now I have a rooster, one rooster and seven hens, and my rooster's name is Dude. He's a Polish, so he has like crazy hair. Like he has a, he's I, got like a crazy mohawk hair situation. I saw that. It's beautiful. Thank <laughs> you. He's very popular. Oh my, there's a whole story of how like I basically adopted him from the LA shelter. He was, they said he was fine, but he was really sick actually and near death, and he probably would have died if I had adopted him. And I nursed him back to health over several months and now gave him his own flock of hens to care for. And now he's just an ungrateful teenage rooster who likes to bite my tits when I grab him. And he fights me constantly. But <laughs> that's what teenage roosters do. And hopefully he'll grow out of it. But he's so popular now. Like, I'm pretty sure he's more popular on my Instagram than I am. Because people ask me about dude. I get fan art from people from dude who will draw him and do cool things. Um, I did a collab with a really cool illustrator who loves my chickens and birds. And she, um, that was like, we have these notebooks and I have a whole line of like products you can buy on my red bubble shop that are her illustrations of my chickens. And dude looks like, I call him duty Mercury because he kind of looks like he's singing into a whisk, like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> it's just, I have a very, I, I like to call my world um, weirdly wonderful. Like, it's always like, wait, what? Like, I love it. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. And I love that you're, that you've got, you know, some ladies that are just retiring, that you gave them a great place to retire and chill with you. Yeah. You know, they earned, they earned the keep. They gave me eggs. They can hang out and chill. And they're really sweet. They just have really sweet personalities. Um, I love hanging out with them. Um, you know, getting baked with, with chickens is also a fun activity for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just go out with a joint, sit with them, and, you know, hang out. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. Very soothing. Oh, that's awesome. And, and it's also, you know, it also goes hand in hand. You know, what I find is a lot of cannabis people, especially growers and cultivators, also have chickens. I mean, it's, it's all part of the same cycle of the plant, right? If you are growing, you appreciate nature and the plant and the soil that it comes from. And chickens are a part of that healthy soil. They, their poop turns into fertilizer that can nourish your plants. You're eating their food. There's these wonderful creatures that also provide into the environment. Uh, you know, they eat all your trimmings and they compost. So it's been really cool. Like I've met the guy who's kind of like the head of production at Raw Garden. We were nerding out because he has these very specific breeds of Egyptian Fayumi chickens. And that's a whole other nerdy place that I am happy to talk about on a different podcast about chicken breeds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that. We'll have to do that. <laughs> And for our listeners, if they want to follow you and check out your videos, how do they get you on social media, your website, all that good stuff? I am at Baking with Chickens on Instagram. I'm also Baking with Chickens on YouTube. And my website, bakingwithchickens.com, is the best place to find me. I'm kind of on all the others on Facebook and Twitter, too, but like, eh, who's really on that? So Instagram (laughs) seems to be the, the main place. I'm also on TikTok, but I haven't posted a lot of TikTok videos yet. Um, <laughs> one, I'm a one. I'm a one person show here. It's a whole lot. Yeah. Social um, media is a job in its own. Absolutely. So much respect, and those damn teenagers make it look so easy. I know. I know. <laughs> Man, I I am mad. Props to to the kids that are making it look easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they, they just whip out these amazing videos. It's like, oh. I'm so envious. Man. I'm doing my thing here. I'm taking photos, doing my thing, doing what I can. Hopefully people like it. Um, but yeah, and if anyone has questions, feel free to drop me a line, DM me. I'm always happy to talk to people and meet new people, um, open to opportunities, and helping to spread the word about this plant. So if you've got like, a parent or grandparent who is um, you know, curious but unsure, uh, that is definitely my forte of people that I like to talk to. Well, I know I, for one, when I encountered your social media and what you're doing, I, I was just completely delighted. So if if you haven't checked out Baking with Chickens, you really need to. Um, and if you want to follow Planted on social media, we are on Twitter, uh, Planted with Sarah, Planted with Sarah on Instagram, Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook. We are not on TikTok, although I've been playing with it, but you know... I don't know if I can do what the kids do. Um, website is www.plantedwithsarah.com. And of course, you can find us at our home network, which is Radio Misfits Network. And there's a lot of other great uh, podcasts on there. Um, there's a, one of mine is, my favorites is on wine. So you have to check that out. Um, thank you so much, Christina, for being here today. I am just so happy to have you um anytime anytime that you want to come visit us i would be delighted it's just so wonderful i would love that i would Uh, love that next time i'm in the bay area for sure oh yeah oh yeah for sure we have to get together um everyone out there have a wonderful day remember that planted is twice a month now 
the world is starting to open up, but it's still a good idea to be safe. And it's a wild place out there. So make a difference. Be good to one another. And until next time, I'll see you. Stay curious.